For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. Welcome to another edition of the Kane's Corner Podcast and for the final time in the regular season the voice of your Carolina Hurricanes, John Forsland, joins me. Uh, man, we are so close. Two more games. At the time we are recording this, it is a Wednesday afternoon. It's a beautiful day in the capital city of North Carolina. It looks a lot like tailgating weather, John. Uh, are you starting to grow more uh, excited, nervous? How do you approach the final two games considering you have nothing to do with the outcome? Yeah, it's a tough spot to be in, isn't it? I think yeah. it's easier easier when you have something to, to do with it. Um, but you get anxious and even, you know, Adam, you saying those words at the at the top of this podcast that it's the last one of the regular season. Yes. It's almost an emphasis on that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh we know where it's going, we know where uh the fans are at with their emotions right now. What I try to do is stay within uh, the confines of whatever I'm supposed to do. And um, and recognize that anything can happen. And so we just kind of enjoy the great moments, which we had uh, in last night's game, and, and we see what, what's next and just kind of live like the team is right now, day to day. You know, there's a lot of people that, I don't know, maybe they don't understand. Um, I mean, you're, you're, you're a broadcaster, and uh, you are uh, among the very best that uh, is, you know, basically charged with the – giving us the sport of hockey. And I've heard you do tons of national games, and you're great everywhere. But this this obviously, this is personal. It's personal yeah. to you, just like what, me covering this team. I don't even pretend to cover this team like a journalist. I cover this team because I love this team, and I really want this team to succeed. I try to be as objective as I can. Um, so how is this different, more fun, special? How is this time for you? Well, you know, I get the question a lot, which is, geez, you, and we got this a lot up north. You, you got to be having fun this year. Um, honestly, I, I, I have fun every season, okay? Um, I, I feel it's my job to kind of tell a story of whatever that group in that specific season is all about and try to communicate it to the fans so they stay interested. And if it's a bad year, try to hook into some kind of hope for the following season or mm-hmm. try to make rhyme or reason out of, of what's transpired. And we've had enough practice at that. And so this year is different because it's um, amazing to watch a group come together like this. It's amazing to watch Rod um, grow as a, as a player, as a captain, a championship caliber athlete, assistant coach, father, uh, youth hockey coach, now head coach in the National Hockey League, and a friend of mine and watch him do all of this. And so your emotions get uh, mixed up, and you really um, 
try to keep it where it needs to be professionally, but I'd be kidding you if I didn't tell you that it's, it's emotional. And I, I really um, like this team. I, I like the players. I like the personality that they have. I like the leadership that's in place. And, and because of that, you, when you do my job, you, you run the risk of getting too carried away. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. I, I want to be as emotional as I need to be within the moment. I want to make sure we do it right for the fans. But I don't want to get lost in my own emotions because, uh, you know, there's been a lot of years here and a, a lot of um, unsettling times with the franchise. I think right. if the franchise were more or less on, the, on a steady path recently from an attendance standpoint, marketing standpoint, ownership standpoint, it'd be okay. Okay, we're just going to deal with each season as it comes and goes, like, say, the Yankees or the Chicago Cubs or the Red Sox do, right? That, that'd be kind of what it would be like. But this is different. This is, you know, almost to a point where it, it gets very desperate when you see the, the empty seats and you recognize that it's hard to do business when no one pays attention. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's getting back to a really good place again. And let's just hope it continues. But it's all because of the job that Rod Brindamore has been able to do as the coach and the players have been able to do as, as players. And, and they put it in a great spot to close it out this week. And let's see where it goes. It's amazing the roller coaster that we've been on really in just the last 10 days. And maybe we can go back even two weeks because it's two weeks from tomorrow Uh, where they had the third period no-show against Tampa in the loss. Uh, Then they beat, uh, you know, it's just been crazy. Um, But they did enough. They did, you know, beat Minnesota and Montreal. Uh, They went to Washington. It fell apart. Uh, Came back. You know, won a game. Go to Pittsburgh. It falls apart again. But it's just been such a a roller coaster. Uh, But here we sit. We have two games left in the season. Uh, the home finale against the New Jersey Devils, who has been a thorn in the side of the Hurricanes for the last several years. Uh, and everything could essentially happen tomorrow night. And again, yeah. we're, we're taping this on Wednesday. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes win coupled with a Montreal Canadiens loss in Washington, a regulation loss in Washington, ends it. There's no more will they make the playoffs. Uh, they can pop Asti Spumanti, uh in the locker room after the game for making the playoffs, although I don't think they will. But there's so much that's still at stake. They could finish second, or yeah. they could miss the playoffs outright Correct. with two games left to go. Is, is, isn't that kind of crazy? It is. It's kind of crazy, and I think it's fitting. I think it's fitting for um, this, this group is going to have to earn every single piece of this. Uh, there's not going to be anything easy for them. I don't think there has been anything easy for them all season. So why not? And I right. wouldn't be surprised if it goes down to the last day of the regular season and you're going to have to go into Philadelphia. But before you get there, the one thing they have been able to do, even when it, as you point out, even when it's been a roller coaster, they've been able to win when they're supposed to win. So they didn't blow it on right. Tuesday night. You know, that's so far – knock on wood and every other thing you want to do that hasn't <laughs> happened. Okay. So they've been able to hold serve and keep control of their fate. They haven't been placed in the position yet where they have to rely on somebody else to help them. Right. So even when they've had their pitfalls and a lot of it has to do with how young they are, in my opinion, and also the fact that I think they need a tremendous amount of energy to be good. Mm-hmm. And when they don't have that, it shows 
it shows big time. And unless your goalie bails you out, which both guys have been able to do. But I think that's, by and large, what they're about. So they, they understand now going into this Devils game that here's another chance. It's at home. It's against a team that you should beat. But as you point out, they've beaten them twice. Um, the Devils are young and brash and fast and well-coached. And it could be trouble. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they've been able to do the proverbial take care of business. And and that's all they need to do again to keep, you know, on trucking here and make sure they, they get it done. But I, I don't think it's going to be an easy thing whatsoever um, because it's it's kind of fitting for the team. And I think when they – when they reach their goal, which I'm confident that they will, um, it, it's going to be that much better. And then they're going to be in a, a, a real good spot to be hardened up for whatever happens if they if they do make the playoffs. John Forslund joining us here on the Canes Corner Podcast, the final one of the regular season. The playoffs would begin the following week, and I'll be back from the final four uh, by then. Oh, there's so many things I want to get to. I know we don't have a ton of time, but I want to. I want to. Maybe I'm working backwards because you just mentioned goaltending. Peter Morozik was, again, I mean, just spectacular last night. Even in the goal he allowed, the power play goal, he made a spectacular save on the initial chance by John mm-hmm. Tavares. And he just couldn't, like, he's human. <laughs> he just, and and he's he's not a giant guy. He's not like a, this traditional 6'4", 6'5", big goalie like we have today. I mean, he's yeah. a normal-sized human being, but... Um, he's ant- his anticipation has been great this year, but this stretch, in his last 12 starts, his save percentage is 941. And uh, at, even though Curtis McElhinney has been great, and we don't know what's going to happen, isn't it kind of, wouldn't it, would it surprise you if Curtis McElhinney went out and started against the Devils? Absolutely. I, I, I have Morozik playing the last two games. I do too. I, yeah. I, I think it's, shifted and I, I at some point it would uh, I think he's in the driver's seat to start the first round if they get there but in order to get there you have to put your your best guy in right now and with all due respect to Curtis what he's been able to do which has been a remarkable story Morozik right now for me is a better goalie yeah so you play Morozik and and you give him another chance if you need it no matter what happens, I think you give him another chance in Philadelphia mm-hmm. um, because he's already beaten Philadelphia last week. And that's the place that basically told him last year, we don't want you mm-hmm. round two. So you give him a chance to go in with a burn to win. Hopefully it's not that, but it, like I said at the top, it could be, could be the last day of the season deal. Yeah. I think it's swung over to him. I just think he's um, right now riding this unbelievable streak. Um, he wants it badly. He wants his team in. He wants to prove a lot of people wrong. He wants a new deal. Um, he's ultra competitive. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has great rapport with Curtis, great rapport with his teammates. You can see how they feed off his emotion. It's a perfect storm. I, I just think, to, to be fair, it, it's got to go that way. So yeah, I, I, I suppose it's still a decision because of the way the season has played out. And maybe they're wrestling with it, but but I don't think so. I, I think Morozik's play right now is at another level. Yeah, I think Morozik's been the better goalie, especially lately. Um, and I, I would tend to think that they're just trolling us if they, uh, if they skate uh, out Curtis. Not that Curtis is Curtis is more than capable of winning 
uh, the yeah. game on Thursday tomorrow against the Devils. It's not about that. But right now, Mrazek has been uh, has been tremendous, and I, I agree. I love the emotion. I am curious if if I had to guess, I my guess is that they would entertain Mrazek on a two or three year deal when this season is over. Yeah, I think they they will entertain it. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with his representation himself and what he thinks he's worth. You know, there's like, there's, you know, this is a summertime thing, but um, there's a contract out there with the Edmonton Oilers with um, Koskinen, right. Nico Koskinen. That's in excess of 4 million a year. And his, his resume and his play doesn't even measure up to Peter Morazic. So I think if I'm representing, you know, Peter, you've got a great case to build this enormous contract, at least from where he's coming from. So I don't know. I think the team will, you know, have to look at it and uh, um, look at it like you do with every deal and look at the positives and the negatives and, and also understand that he is a hot and cold guy, always has been. Or is he settling in now as a guy that can deliver this on a consistent basis? This season would, would suggest that. Yeah. Would definitely suggest that. So um, that'll be an interesting story when it unfolds. Yeah. Overall, the numbers aren't what he what he had in his best year and a half, really, in Detroit. Uh, right. But these uh, the game is a little bit different this year than it is than it has been in the past. I don't think the goaltending numbers are as gaudy uh, across the board in the NHL as goals are way up. But uh, he has been tremendous and reliable and fun and all of that. Um, Rod Brindamore said prior to last night's game, and I've heard heard him say it before, and we were talking about Justin Williams that he he thinks this is his best the best year of his career. Statistically, obviously, no. He's had 70-point seasons. He's had 30-goal seasons, two of them, both in his first stint with the Hurricanes. Um, But I asked Rod today to make the case that this has been his best year, and he just, I mean, he can't say enough good things about uh, Justin Williams, whether or not it is. What do you think his best attribute has been this year for this team? Well, I, I think, you know, his, his personality and his leadership um, were expected. Okay. And in his, um, his, his, how he portrays, how he carries himself as a, as a person, as a, you know, just a, a one-to-one guy, a teammate is also a given, I think. So everybody kind of knew that, but I think what's happened this year is, because the game has changed over the course of this guy's 18-year career and become faster, how is he going to be able to play at the level he's played at? I think that's what's been so amazing in the second half of the season is he's, he's been able to keep up and, and, <laughs> and be an impact guy at the pace of the NHL today yeah. at the age of 37. I think everyone expected him to be a great captain. Everyone expected him to say the right things. Everybody expected him to be a guy that, could take the organization back to a better place and be a guy that really cares about this market and making sure that it works here because he loves it here. Okay. That to me, that was a built in thing that probably should have happened a year ago when he (laughs) should have been named captain in the first place. But now when that happens, okay, fine. And even the surge, even the surge, I could see him doing that if he was a fourth line player. Okay. I could see him being the organizer of that. Mm -hmm. I could see him being the organizer on the airplane of, the card games and the music and, and making sure the guys are together at the right time when they need a team dinner, if things aren't going well. I can see him doing all of that. But his position on the team has become 
very important. And I think that's why Rod sees this as his best season, because there's no way anybody expected this. Right. There's no way you expect him as a first-line right wing playing with Sebastian Ajo at the pace of today's National Hockey League. To me, that's what's amazing. And the, the way he was able to do it, by saying all those things and then going out and actually performing and scoring big goals in big moments, um, that's the leadership effect that it has on the rest of the players. So um, I would, who's going to second guess Rod's opinion on this? Um, <laughs> because he'll put us in a corner and, and pummel us if we don't, you know, we don't agree with him. But I, I really think that um, that's what's been truly remarkable. Even Rod at his at the late stages of his career, remember what happened? He yeah. kind of started to go down the ladder to the point where he was a fourth line center at the end of his career. Um, that hasn't been the case to this point with Justin. No. The interesting thing will be where do they go with Justin Williams? Yeah. You know, does he get another deal? You know, and uh, I would I would say yes. Yeah. You know, but for how long? For how much? And all that. Uh, let them answer those questions. But he's worthy of it. Oh yeah, we. I mean, we will at some point have a uh, where does you know a contract for Peter for Justin and some other players. Uh, obviously, Sebastian as well. We'll get a uh, we'll get a, a long contract when this season is over. But I would expect that Williams he he does not seem like a player who is. I guess if they win the Stanley Cup this year, he might just decide. You know what? That's good. I don't know what you'd be able to do beyond uh, beyond that if they were to win the Stanley Cup, which, I mean, far-fetched, but, you know, it is hockey, and we've seen goofy things happen uh, before. I think that I remember watching this team and him and even Jordan, because I think Jordan Stahl goes in the same boat, uh, in November in practice, even in December in practice, and having conversations and going – yeah, at some point, Jordan's going to be, should be on the fourth line, and uh, Justin might be better suited to be playing 12 minutes on the third line. And the fact that they're both playing, I think Jordan's playing as well as he's ever played in a Hurricanes uniform right now. Uh, last night was just spectacular, I thought, in uh, yeah. in Toronto. Um, it's amazing that those guys have been uh, this good, I think, at this stage of the season. Well, you know, the thing is, they I, I've seen the other side. I've seen the bitter disappointment and, and the frustration of both those guys, especially last season. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really took it to heart. And, and Jordan Stahl has been through the ringer here yeah. emotionally. I mean, we know what he's gone through from a family standpoint. Right. That's just a horrible thing. Um, but he's working his way through that. He's, he's, he and his wife are are fighting through that tragedy and, you know, they're expecting a, a, a child in the summer and um, he's starting to see a, a different light now for his life, which is, which is good. But the hockey portion of his life since 2012 has been at times a nightmare um, to come here and hope for better numbers statistically. And it didn't really pan out to come here and, and, and take the team to a new place with his brother. That didn't work. Mm-hmm. The brother leaves watching his brother go through, what he went through at the end of his tenure as a hurricane and then going through all the responsibility of being the guy and still not being able to get the team where it needs to go. And, and when a player players like Williams and Stahl that have actually won the Stanley cup <laughs> have such a pedigree and, and such a, um, there's such a big part of their makeup and character 
that when they when they're on losing teams, I don't even think we can understand what they're going through mm-hmm. because they've tasted the ultimate success. They know what it's about, and that's what they, there's where they want to go. And to think that they just go home and um, you know shake it off in a couple of days and life's all good, I don't think so. I think it burns and it sits for a long time, and they might never get over it. Um, so that's what I've seen with Jordan. And now when he when you guys uh, surround them after practice and when we watch the sound bites after games, uh, sure, a lot of this is in a winning environment. I don't know about you, Adam, but I see his face is like totally different. Yeah, he, he's just got a brightness about him now, which is which is really wonderful to see. And um, in the past, it was like I'm, uh, it's all on me. I can't do anything about this. I wish I could do more, and I'm getting beaten down by it. And to see a championship elite athlete like him go through that. Basically, you know, what he does as a player is stuff that doesn't even get seen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's a Selkie trophy guy. He's a, he's a defensive forward. He's a guy that you can win a championship with. You're not gonna, he's not going to get on the all-star team, but he can win you the championship in the right environment. And right now, he, he's come back refreshed. Um, he really wants to get the team to the playoffs, and that was one of his best games he's ever played as a Hurricane mm-hmm. last night. Should have been the number one star for me. Oh, he wasn't and, the number uh, one star? I don't know if he was or he wasn't. I just was looking forward to the post-game interview. I think we got our signals crossed, and we got we got those trip calls on Pietro once again. But that's fine uh, <laughs> I, because Morozik was worthy of it too. But oh, I yeah. just wanted to get I wanted to get Jordan because he he has done so many little intangibles in the last few games, yeah. uh, back checks and penalty kills and big face-offs and matchups against high-end guys. I'm not saying it's glossed over, but it's natural that it would. And um, and so I'd just like to see him get the credit that he's due. Yeah, I think Tripp said it on the broadcast last night. You win the Selkie Trophy by scoring uh, uh, because you do have to prov- provide some offense. It's like nobody wins a gold glove in baseball until you can hit. Like it, you have to, your reputation as a defensive player has to be so through the roof uh, to win a gold glove in baseball uh, unless you're at least a 275 hitter. Uh, and in, in hockey, it just seems like if you're going to win the Selkie Trophy, you better be a point producer. Well, since he has returned in the 19 games Jordan Stahl is back in the lineup after the concussions, he's got 15 points. Uh, right. I mean, that's contributing. Um, right. And his goal last night essentially changed the complexion of the game. I thought he was the best player in the ice. He said this to Rod Brindamore today. I thought yeah. he was the best player on the ice before the goal. And that just, to me, it would have been an easy first star, even though Mrazek was great. Dougie Hamilton uh, maybe played his best all-around game uh, as a hurricane. I thought Dougie was dynamite uh, yeah. last night. Um, but to me, Jordan Stahl set the tone uh, with – a four check in the first period that really got Carolina going. Yeah, and they 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 kind of feed off those big shoulders, and yeah. he just he's been carrying the team that way. And I think it was in the um, Philadelphia game, the Philadelphia game. I think he made three back checking plays in one shift right. that were totally elite, like completely elite. And that's the problem with all this. You have to really be a junkie or follow the mm-hmm. team every single game. Um, or coach it to really get that kind of thing. And I'm not suggesting that, that everybody should because it's impossible because when they start talking about the Selkie trophy, they immediately look at guys who 
when the majority of face-offs, it's predominantly becoming a center's award now. And for right. at the very beginning of this this award, Bob Gainey of the Montreal Canadiens was winning it every year as a left wing. <laughs> um, but now it's basically become centers because they they have such uh, defensive responsibility. And their plus-minus is weighed in. And then if you're like Kopitar last year, it's a point-per-game guy with a plus-30 or better, um, uh, plus-minus, face-off, right. uh, acumen's real good, and your team's in the playoffs. That's basically it. And, and of course, you're going to be defensively matched up against top guys because most coaches today coach top player against top player. But Jordan's kind of a throwback in a sense that you can have him on your team he doesn't have to be your top center, but he is, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the beauty of his game. Ah, uh, man, he was just he was absolutely enjoy so enjoyable to watch last night. All right, something happened last night that I I didn't I was not able to find a statistic for this. I'm sure it exists, and I didn't search forever because it isn't that important. But I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts on the number of embellishment penalties. The Carolina Hurricanes have been uh, issued, I guess, this year. Uh, I didn't get last night. It's either a cross-check or it's an embellishment. I don't see how it's both. Uh, And we have seen Hurricanes' um, power plays, essentially, nullified by embellishment penalties. They they think they got Warren Fogle for it at a game, I guess it was the Tampa game, uh, here early on. I think it was a first-period issue. I, I... the Hurricanes have to lead the NHL in embellishment penalties. I, I mean, I have to assume that. Have you ever seen this many? No, not really. And usually the way this goes, and remember many years ago, Eric Cole got a reputation as a diver. Right. And, um, and once that happens, it, it becomes like a disease. It spreads among the referees, and they're looking for this. And when they're looking for it, it's already in their head. So they're supposed to be unbiased and clean when they come into a game. But if somebody gives you a scouting report and says, hey, watch 26 on the Hurricanes because he dives. Well, you're already thinking that way, right? So don't make a mistake. There's a lot of diving that goes on in the National Hockey League. These guys are so strong and have such elite balance. To knock them down, you know, you need a bulldozer. Right. And so as soon as they feel a tug, as soon as they feel the stick is between their legs, a hook in the midsection, they go down. That's a good play. Do they, do they, do they embellish? I guess in a, in a way they do, but it's drawing the penalty. The infraction is the obstruction of the stick or the use of the free hand. And then if you go down, everybody sees it. The referee, get, there's a crowd reaction. Right. The referee's going to make the call. That's pretty much hockey. But to see the, the, the repetitive nature of what's going on against the Hurricanes, to me, is a little bit strange, too. Last night, like I said in the air, Dougie, I thought got two minutes were being knocked down. I mean, right. I didn't see where he left his feet. His gloves came off. <laughs> he, he, he rolled around on the ice like they do in, in soccer. Right. I, I, I didn't see that. So, to me, that's, a, that's embellishing. Now, I get the referees trying to – put the reins on young players and teach them a lesson. So when rookies get it, I really don't have a problem with that because they have to learn how the game's played at this level. You know basketball way better than I do. I'm sure there's embellishing in the NBA, right? Oh, my there's, gosh, there's, it's terrible. Of course there is, right? Yes. Of course there is. So that's how you play the game. Again, In a sense, it's gamesmanship, I guess. But but with Fogel and Svechnikov and the couple of learning moments they've been through, okay, they're young players. And if you're going to cross the line as a young player – 
you don't necessarily deserve that right, especially if it's a you know a veteran guy, say a guy like Crosby's checking you, and uh, and you just make him look bad. I'm getting you for that. Um, I've never understood it both ways. I really haven't because I think it's either a dive and that's what you're in the box for. I'm with you on that, or it's a penalty. Um, the the matching penalty, I don't I don't understand because you were calling cross checking to begin with, and um, how did Hamilton make it any worse? I I don't I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, it was uh, like I don't. I don't, I, the hurricanes. I, I don't. I don't want to make it seem like the hurricanes are getting picked on, uh, but uh, I watch enough hockey. I have yeah. literally seen no other embellishment calls no, <laughs> this no. year. Uh, no, I don't see it. It's got to no. be ten times for yeah. uh, for Carolina. Either way, uh, power play uh, four out of the last five is the best power play in the sport, John. Yeah, they're rolling now. So, um, the, the, you know, I just I don't think much has changed. No. Um, other than that one practice they utilized before the weekend where they uh, went through their reps with no penalty killers and it was coming off that uh, performance against Washington. So right. um, they, they, they just recaptured it somehow by being more simple. And uh, the first one they had on this run was the scramble goal in front with Tara Vinen where a gazillion sticks touched the puck and he was able to, <laughs> pick it out of the pile and score a power play goal. Beautiful and power play. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes that gets you pointed in the right direction. I, you know, I just hope if they do make the postseason, they kind of go into the postseason with this kind of a vibe. It, it'll help them. It's way better right. than going in with uh, uh, our power play stinks and now we have two days to figure it out. Um, they can It can wipe everything clean if they do qualify for the playoffs, including their power play, but it's the mindset of the players and the confidence level. And I think they, I think they're okay with it. I mean, talking with the players, I think they're, they're okay with it. It's just too bad. It's become larger than life at times this year. Speaking of, uh, speaking of confidence uh, real quick on this. And then I want to close with something, maybe bigger picture. Um, concerned at all about 12 games without a goal for Sebastian Ajo? Uh, a little bit, but, but, but I think he's been doing enough. Um, I, I don't think he's been a non-factor. I think he's been a factor. Okay. Has he been a elite dominant factor? No. Is he? Does it look like he's carrying the team into the playoffs? No. But he has two more games to do that. Um, right. He scores a hat trick against New Jersey. I think we're feeling totally different. <laughs> you know, and, they, yeah. and they, now it's uh, everybody's back in the semi train. Um, I, I don't uh, see anything different with him. I, I wonder how healthy he is. They tell me he's okay. I do think he had a little bit of a knee problem after that collision with Niederreiter sure. a few games ago, but I think that's supposedly better now, but I'm not sold on it because I don't see the jump. I don't see the acceleration that he usually has. So they might be saying that just to calm everybody down. Um, and I'm not going to put him on the spot personally, right. but just, you know, are you, are you really healthy? I think that makes a player feel even worse. It's like when they ask me if, if I'm feeling okay because my voice is off. You know, you automatically think, oh, my God, I must sound horrible. Um, but I think that's kind of the way it is with, um, with Sebastian right now. I, I, I don't see him winding up plays as much with those happy feet. Right. So um, I would suggest that he's not 100%. I think his competitive will is still there. He's helping the team. Um, and he's a factor. He, he is not a non-factor right now. So um, the scoring drought is what it is, unfortunately. Uh, and finally, and I realize that there are two more games, and just f- so people understand, uh, if Carolina wins their last two games, the Islanders don't get any more points. Pittsburgh only gets a maximum of two more points. 
the um, uh, and nobody else can catch Carolina. Carolina could finish second in the Metropolitan right. Division. Uh, right. Of course, if they don't win both games, if they only win one of the games, they could get passed by both Montreal and Columbus and miss right. the playoffs entirely. So it's all still there, anywhere from second to essentially sixth. Uh, and you don't want to be sixth. You don't want to be worse than fifth. Um, but with all of that said and understanding that we don't know what the end game is, if I asked you right now, because you said at the beginning you're always trying to find the story, mm-hmm. what's the story of this it's hurricane a, season? It's an incredible story of character and unity and teamwork and camaraderie and the closest group of players I've ever seen since 06. Um, and because of that, they put the Hurricanes back on the map People are still going to talk about the jerks. Yeah. Um, there's relevance. So they accomplish something. Um, they will all say if they don't make it that they feel like losers. They feel like failures. Um, and sometimes in the society we live in today, that's a hard place to go, right? Like we mm-hmm. all want to win. We all want to get it. And we all want to say, well, I never won anything. Um, but when you compete for something and you just fall a little bit short, sometimes that's a win in itself. So I, I call them, no matter what happens, they're winners. Um, no matter what happens, the market has been revived a little bit. Um, people have fallen in love with the team, individuals on the team. Um, I know the coach understands that he can do this. I think he's been, he was born to do this, mm-hmm. not only be a great player, but I think he's born to lead guys in, in the direction at the professional level. And I think he's going to have a long career. Um, so I, I see a tremendous amount of positives without feeling like a guy that somehow has to prop it up again, um, which I try not to do in past seasons. I try to be as honest as I can be, um, understanding what my job is too. So that's how I would look at it. But I, I expect them, as they expect to win now, and Rod says that almost every day, about mm-hmm. 50 times a day, um, <laughs> I, I expect them to do it. I, I just get that feeling. I saw, the, the again, and experienced the vibe after last night's game. It's not hats and horns and, and let's get the floats ready. It's, it's, it's professional. And, but, but they're happy and they understand how good they can be. They have an inner confidence. So they've established that they've built a brand new culture. They, they really have. And it's going to be uh, up to the management moving forward to make sure it's fortified because the players and the coach have done an outstanding job this season. No, there's no question about that. I think they're going to do it. Uh, I think they're going to. Uh, I think they're going to beat New Jersey Thursday night, tomorrow night. Again, we're taping this on Wednesday. Uh, I think they're going to go to Philadelphia and do what they need to do in Philadelphia. Uh, and at the very least, they'll be wild card one, and then we'll see what happens against maybe the Washington Capitals. But you don't know. Uh, Pittsburgh shouldn't have probably lost to Detroit last night, but right. they did. So all of a sudden, that's in play. And who knows what the Islanders are going to do, but uh, either way, um, I am just looking forward to uh, even the possibility, and it's a strong possibility, of a playoff game here at PNC Arena. I think that will be I – don't, I don't even care if it's a sold-out building. Uh, we'd, we would obviously like it to be. I do know the atmosphere is going to be bonkers. Well, and can you imagine the ramifications of a playoff podcast? <laughs> I'll have to put my playoff. I'll grow. I'm actually already growing a playoff beard. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. You should do that too, John. 
No, it's been suggested. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> my, my experience with facial hair in my college, sophomore year of my college uh, career was brutal. So I'll never do that again. All right, sir. I thank you very much. Uh, I'm okay. going to Minneapolis. Uh, right. You stay here and uh, yeah. talk the Hurricanes into the playoffs. Will do. We'll hold up each of our ends here, Adam. Thanks, John. You got it. That's this week's Canes Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.